A little horn makes a big noise. Isn't that the way it always is? Who is the little horn of Daniel chapter 8? 400 years preceded the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem without a single word from a prophet of God. The silent years between the Old and New Testaments were hard for God's people, especially when Antiochus Epiphanes reigned over Greece for 11 terror-filled years. From writings outside of the canon of Scripture known as the Apocrypha, we learn how Antiochus Epiphanes spewed anti-Semitic hatred from 175 to 164 BC like the world had rarely seen up to that point, foreshadowing a world ruler known as the Antichrist, who will do the same, even worse, at the end of the age. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. Well, in the last days of planet Earth, times will grow increasingly dark, moral depravity on a grand scale, hatred of God and Israel, persecution of the followers of Christ. What should be our response to a message like this? Answers come your way next as Ron continues his teaching series, Mysteries of Babylon. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Time of the End, from Antiochus to Antichrist. Remember, God, God sees to the rising and to the fall of kings and kingdoms. And um, that was true of Antiochus Epiphanes as well. His, his job description, we might call it, sounds a lot like the Antichrist to the little horn of chapter seven, doesn't it? But uh, we, we know from this, this period of time and from history, and again, there's general agreement that this prophecy about the little horn in Daniel chapter eight that came to Daniel in 551 BC was fulfilled in part by Antiochus Epiphanes in 175 to 164 uh, BC. During that time, uh, Antiochus imposed Greek culture and religion on all of his subjects, including the Jews. Again, Donald Campbell writes, it became unlawful to read the Torah. Can you imagine living in a country where it was unlawful to read the Bible? But this was the oppression that came against the Jews. It was unlawful to read the Torah, to observe the Sabbath, to practice circumcision. All of their Jewish traditions became unlawful under Antiochus Epiphanes. Those who disobeyed these edicts were massacred. In one assault on Jerusalem, 40,000 Jews were killed in three days and 10,000 more were taken into captivity. And this seems to be the illusion in verse 10 and possibly even an illusion to what the writer of Hebrews was talking about in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 and 38, a time of, of great oppression uh, for the people of Israel. Now, how is this more than just a history lesson? Um, it, it all pivots around this phrase, the time of the end. From Daniel chapter eight to the end of the book of Daniel, this is a, a common phrase. 
and it has technical meaning to it. It starts in chapter 8 and verse 17 where it says, Daniel says that he, that is one of the holy messengers, came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision, the vision is for the time of the end. Daniel, this vision about the ram and the goat and the little horn, it's a vision about the time of the end. You go on to a chapter 19 or chapter 8 and verse 19, you see the phrase, the time of the end. You see it again in chapter 11 and verse 35 and verse 40, chapter 12, verses 4 and verse 9. And it always refers to the time of the end just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and to the ultimate reign of terror upon the Jewish people that will come via the Antichrist who rises to power at that time. So why again do we we point to Antiochus, or why was Antiochus not the ultimate fulfillment of this? Because we know in part that Jewish suffering did not end when Antiochus Epiphanes was put down. You know, we can just look back at the early 20th century and to the Holocaust under the Nazis and know that the time of the end of Jewish suffering had not come. So Antiochus Epiphanes becomes a foreshadowing and a lot of times in Bible prophecy, you have a, you have a, a, a near-term fulfillment of a prophecy, and then you have a later fulfillment of that prophecy, and that's what we see here. Let me put a chart up on the, on the screen here to show you what I'm talking about. The prophecy to Daniel came in 551 B.C. The near-term fulfillment is in Antiochus Epiphanes, this hate-spewing anti-Semitic ruler who oppressed the Jewish people in 175 to 164 B.C. And, and his reign of terror came to an end. I'll get to that in a moment, but Antiochus Epiphanes becomes a foreshadowing of the later fulfillment of the Antichrist at the end of the age. Now, in 164, and again, this is a, this is a period of time in, in Bible history between the Testaments. We're in that period of time, that 400 years of silence. And in a period of time where there were some writings that were not canonical in nature. What do I mean by that? They never made it into the canon of Scripture, but they give us some insight into history. They were not inspired writings, and I won't go into all the detail as to how church leaders and spiritual leaders over the years have determined the 66 inspired books of the Bible. But there are some books that were written during that time known as the Apocrypha. If you come out of a Catholic background, you'll find in a Catholic Bible more than 66 books. They include the Apocrypha part of which is 1st and 2nd Maccabees, okay? Good history books, probably not inspired, meant for the text of uh, the canon of Scripture, according to our Protestant way of thinking. But 1st and 2nd Maccabees uh, tells the story of Judas Maccabeus, who led what was called the Maccabean Revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. After 11 years of his reign of terror, the Jewish people had had enough and they put down Antiochus Epiphanes. And the Maccabean Revolt took place, uh, they date it to around 164 uh, B.C. uh, on December 25th, which ironically is when the Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is in remembrance of that Maccabean Revolt against this hate-spewing, anti-Semitic Grecian ruler known as Antiochus Epiphanes. 
And the vision, though, was for the time of the end. Before we get to the time of the end, let's just think about what was happening in history during this time. A dark time in Jewish history. A dark time in the sense that it was between the Testaments and they hadn't heard a word from God for, you know, a couple of centuries by now, and it would go on for another 150 to 70 years before the time of Christ. Here's the lesson that we learn from all this. It's always dark before the dawn. This was a really dark time in Jewish history. Just such oppression, such hatred, such anti-Semitism, such a reign of terror that came from Antiochus Epiphanes against God's chosen people. But it came at 11 p.m. before midnight, right? Or just, just before the midnight turned or just before the dawn. Or It's always darkest just before the dawn. I didn't get my time frame right there, but you know what I'm talking about. In, in, in the larger time frame, you know, this was, the birth of Jesus and the coming of Messiah was right around the corner. It'll be the same way at the end of the age. It'll get really, really dark on planet Earth. Uh, the rapture of the church will take us believers out of this earth, and then the Antichrist, who Antiochus Epiphanes is a foreshadowing of, will come onto the world scene, and for seven years, especially the last three and a half years, hateful, anti-Semitic unleashing will take place like the world has never seen and that will make Antiochus Epiphanes look like a Boy Scout. That's the idea here. It's always darkest just before the dawn. There's some people who interpret Bible prophecy in such a way they think, oh, we're going to get better and better and better, and we'll get more and more Christ-like, and the kingdom of God will come to this earth, and then Jesus will come. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's called post-tribulation, post-tribulationalism. I believe it gets darker and darker and darker until it gets really dark. The church is raptured. Seven years of the worst of times on planet Earth. You can read the detail of that time, Revelation chapters 6 through 19. The rise of the Antichrist and his world domination and rule. But that little horn is just a little horn from God's perspective because Jesus Christ returns <laughs> and defeats him. Okay? Then the time of the end of Jewish suffering comes. Not under Antiochus Epiphanes, but when Jesus Christ comes again, his second advent. Well, what do we do with a message like this? This series called Mysteries of Babylon is meant to show us how to prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Let me suggest three things. Number one, trust Bible prophecy precisely. Uh, Bible prophecy is amazing in, in, in its precision, and I want to just go back to verses uh, 13 and 14. When the two holy messengers there on the canal in Susa are having a conversation, and one of them says, how long will this suffering last? And he says, for 2,300 evenings and morning, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. This is probably in reference to the near-term fulfillment of Antiochus Epiphanes. It's interesting that the Jewish people date the first Hanukkah, December 25th, 
164 BC, you go back 2,300 days and evenings, and you get to the beginning of the reign of Antiochus. The Bible is just amazingly precise that way. And you can always trust that God, God knows what he's talking about when it comes to the future. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit our brand new website at somethinggoodradio.org. There are so many new features there that will help you grow in your faith. You'll find free resources by using the library tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio only exists through your prayers and financial support. As you give your gift to Something Good Radio today, we'll give you the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Mysteries of Babylon. That's all seven messages in Ron's teaching series, Mysteries of Babylon. We'll be sharing this content with our monthly partners, but today is our thank you gift to anyone who makes a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Time of the End, From Antiochus to Antichrist. Secondly, bless Israel intentionally. What do I mean by that? My mind went back this week to Genesis chapter 12. Remember the story of Abraham or Abram at the time when the Lord comes to Abram and says, Abram, <laughs> don't get too comfortable in retirement there in the Earl of, Ur of Chaldees. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. The Lord goes to this childless couple, Abraham, who was 75 years old and his wife Sarah, 65, beyond the childbearing years, and the Lord promises not only to give them a child, but to make a great nation out of them. 25 years later, Isaac is born. You think you're waiting on God for something for a long time. You know, the father, the father of our faith, Abraham, you know, he waited for 25 years, as did his wife Sarah, and Isaac was born. Here's what the Lord said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. It was out of the loins of Abraham and Sarah that came the Hebrew people and the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And the promise from the very beginning was, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. You want to not only be on the right side of history and on the right side of Bible prophecy, you want to be on the right side of Israel and of God's chosen people. You know, one of the reasons Catherine and I go to Israel as often as we do and there are many reasons to go, and I hope you can go with us next time. But we go in part to bless Israel. We bless them in two ways. First of all, we spend money in their economy. Okay, that's a blessing in and of itself, right? Uh, you go to that part of the world, and tourism is a huge part of the ancient world. And it's, a, it's fascinating to be a part of that. But our presence there also blesses Israel. When Western Christians, and really Christians from all over the globe, go to visit the Holy Land and walk in the footsteps of Jesus and have their faith inspired, do you know that our presence just blesses the people of Israel? Because they don't have very many friends. And they live in a neighborhood nestled against the Mediterranean Sea, like, you know, just that part of your finger, 
small little country, and none of their neighbors love them. They don't even like them. Their neighbors want to wipe them off this planet like they've never existed. And that anti-Semitic hatred that rears its ugly head in every generation, oh, the hotbed of it is right there in the Middle East. And when we go, just our presence, you know, we're, we're one of the few friends that Israel has, and we're not even in their neighborhood, but it blesses them that way. I want to be on the receiving end of God's blessing. I want to be on the receiving end of that Genesis 12 blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Uh, the Lord said. So trust Bible prophecy precisely. Bless Israel intentionally. And finally, believe God's word emotionally. What do I mean by that? I mean with all of your heart, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 27. This is Daniel's response to this vision. And if you want to know how you're to respond to it today or how I'm to respond to it today, look at verse 27. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. You think you and I have a difficult time piecing together and understanding Bible prophecy? I mean, Daniel had just a fraction of the information that we have with the complete text of Scripture. He had a hard time understanding it, and he had two holy messengers interpreting portions of this. But this vision made him viscerally, emotionally, and even physically sick to his stomach to see the end of the age and the suffering of the Jewish people. He called in sick for several days. He just just couldn't make it. And I wonder sometimes when we read our Bibles, you know, in our comfortable living rooms and our comfortable church chairs and all that, and we go, oh, that's very interesting, nice, nice history. I like that. Yeah, I can now piece it all together. Ho-hum. We go back to our business. We don't respond to this like Daniel did. And if you've got a ho-hum Bible experience or response to this message, listen, get down on your knees with an open Bible and read this until it affects you until it affects you so much it changes the way you live, until you stop putting your head down and just kind of doing what's in front of you, until it affects you this way and you lift up your eyes and you see that the fields are white into harvest. And you lift up your eyes and you see the panorama of world history and Bible prophecy from God's perspective. And you lift up your eyes to see that Jesus is coming soon. And it affects you and me in every fabric of our being, every cell of our being to where we, we just can't help ourselves to say we've got work to do. This, we're not playing at this thing called church. The only reason we're on this earth is to introduce more people to Jesus Christ because Jesus is coming. Dark days are coming. It's our job to open up the pages of Scripture and warn an unbelieving world of the judgment to come but in doing so, to introduce them uh, to Jesus Christ. The Jewish people call Hanukkah the festival of lights because it was a time when they went into the temple that had been ransacked by Antiochus, and they found little oil lamps that they could use to light the lamps in the temple again. 
It went from a dark time to a time of light, a time of hope. Hope again was alive in their spirits, even though they had gone through a very, very dark time. I don't know what kind of time you're going through right now. Maybe you're going through a dark time. It's always darkest just before the dawn. God seems to work that way. He seems to lay it out that way, even in history and Bible prophecy. Just about the time you're, you're ready to give up and say, there's no more hope. That's when hope is right around the corner. And just about the time we give up on this old world of ours and think that this world is just going to heck in a handbasket, no, lift up your eyes and see our redemption draws nigh. And, and keep your eyes on the fields that are white unto harvest and keep your hands on the plow, doing what we are called to do, which is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples. Let's get after that, friends. We're not just playing church around here. Let's respond to this and ask God to give us the kind of response that even Daniel had to this vision that just broke him to the core. You have my permission on Monday to call into your boss and say, I'm calling in sick today. I just heard the preacher's message on Sunday that I need to, okay? Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Time of the End, from Antiochus to Antichrist. And Ron, I love what you said near the end of today's message in terms of what our response should be to the message in Daniel. Let's talk a little more about that because when Jesus comes again, it'll be too late for repentance, too late for accepting Christ. That's right, Brian, it will be, and that fact alone should break our hearts. I'll be the first to admit that it's practically impossible to live in a perpetual state of brokenness, of constant compassion for the lost. Like anyone else, I can get bogged down in my own life and in my own responsibilities, uh, my own struggles and challenges. Uh, God understands that, and he's merciful toward us, but he has also been very clear about what he expects of us while we remain on this earth. Jesus said, let us work while it is day, because the night is coming when no man can work. Well, Brian, right now it's daytime, but the prophecy we read about in Daniel speaks in rather great detail about a future period of darkness, followed by the second coming of Christ, after which the Great Commission will no longer be a mandate because salvation will no longer be possible. That should motivate us, Brian. Knowing that some people will spend eternity apart from Christ should be all the motivation we need. We should want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can for that reason alone. But the underlying motivation for sharing Jesus Christ and his gospel with the world is something even greater than that. Simply put, it's love. If we truly love God the way we should, we'll do what we can to advance his gospel. And if we truly love others the way we should, that alone should motivate us to share our faith so that they might enjoy the same gift of salvation you and I already have. So I would encourage our listeners to think about some of the people in their lives with whom they could start a conversation or maybe invite them to church this Sunday. You don't have to be a pastor or a theologian to share your faith. All you have to be is willing willing and, and uh, available to let the power of the Holy Spirit work through you and in them. And that's uh, all the more that is necessary to get the message across. That's Dr. Ron Jones with a few final thoughts on the Great Commission and our calling as Christians to share our faith. Ron, before we sign off, tell our listeners what's in store tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Mysteries of Babylon. 
Brian, this next message in the series is called The Power of Prayer and Prophecy. And believe it or not, those two things, prayer and prophecy, go hand in hand because prophetic scripture should always drive us to our knees. It should cause us to repent. It should cause us to share our faith. It should cause us to worship God. So tomorrow, I'm examining Daniel chapter 9, which includes a prayer followed by a prophecy. And this prophecy we'll discuss is what I call the prophecy of all prophecies. It's the key to unlocking all the Bible prophecy from now and even to the end of the age. And that's where I'm headed next time as I continue my teaching series, Mysteries of Babylon, How the Prophecies of Daniel Prepare Us for the Return of Jesus Christ. Join us then for Something Good when Ron shares his message, The Power of Prayer and Prophecy. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.